Welcome everyone back to another edition of At the Table uh, with Bishop Sue. And this is where we continue our discussion of the covenant prayer in the Wesleyan tradition. And uh, it's been a rich time of conversation. We've had some great talks and I am more than thrilled uh, to have with us as our conversation partner today. Uh, one of my favorite people, a good friend, uh, certainly a mentor of mine, one who has uh, showed me the ropes as a bishop, but also somebody who I just enjoy the heck out of and enjoy being with. And I'm so glad she's here. This is Bishop Cynthia Fierro Harvey. She is the Bishop of the Louisiana Episcopal area. And she, uh, she uh, and her husband, Dean are great friends and, and, um, I'm just excited you're here, Cynthia. And uh, this, we, this week, I'm going to read what we're doing. This week, we're reaching kind of the culmination of the prayer. And uh, this part says, And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am Thine, so be it. And that, you know, it's moving. We've, we've done a lot of weeks on all of the other parts of this, but this is kind of moving toward claiming this new state of being. And, and Cynthia, when did, tell me about, you know, how did this prayer show up in your life? When did you first encounter it? And kind of tell us about yourself and um, how you, this has been a crazy journey and how you got here. Yeah. Well, thanks. Um, uh, Bishop Sue, this is, I, I, this is exciting. When you first asked me to do this and I thought ah, just to get to hang out with you uh, <laughs> is great. Uh, I just miss being with you in person, at least you know, two or three times a year when the Council of Bishops gather, uh, it's always fun uh, to be with you. Uh, and this covenant prayer is really kind of an interesting journey in that I, I grew up Roman Catholic, so I didn't encounter this prayer until I was an adult. Mm -hmm. And you'd probably find this interesting. The first church I joined as a United Methodist, a, a United Methodist was Dunwoody United Methodist Church. Okay. No, well, yeah. Uh, um, I was in the corporate world and um, I uh, actually had just graduated from college and uh, I was hired uh, to uh, be the director of marketing at Perimeter Mall uh, in Atlanta. And um, we moved to Georgia. I literally moved with everything I owned, like in a suitcase, mm -hmm. um, you know, graduate from college. Um, I couldn't pack all that mac and cheese and ramen noodles. So uh, I just packed what I had and moved to Atlanta. And uh, so I lived in Atlanta for um, two years, three years. And it was a, a great, great, great experience. So um, I have such fond memories of that. But it was at Dunwoody United Methodist Church, uh, serendipitous that here we are. Uh, mm -hmm. That's right in my neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I first encountered this prayer. Uh, you know, I did, I was young, 20 something years old. Uh, I actually just barely had turned 21. I went fast paced through undergraduate school because I was going to law school, but you know, that's another story for another day. Um, I was 21 years old and, um, I, John, you know, who's John Wesley? You know, I, I didn't know any of that. Um, I'd grown up Roman Catholic. I'd never seen a woman in a pulpit, you know, all of those sorts of things. But it was that first year uh, in January that um, we were in church at uh, Dunwoody uh, United Methodist, and this prayer was first introduced to me. I was 21 years old, 
and um, not married at the time. Uh, my husband had grown up Lutheran. I'd grown up Catholic. So United Methodist Church was the in-between for us. That is for a lot of and, folks. Yeah. That's for a lot of people. And uh, renewal of baptism. Oh, my gosh. You know, I had no idea uh, what that meant. Um, baptized as a you know, as an infant in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and and by the way, that counted in the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. wow, that's pretty cool. Um, but it was there that I first encountered this prayer. And for a long time, because it was so new to me, it actually sat under glass on my desk. Mm. And um, and I, for Dean, it still is. It mm-hmm. still is. It's mm-hmm. still there. And um, pray it, you know, we prayed it every day uh, in those first years of us being together and certainly in our marriage. So uh, when you asked me to do this and it was the covenant prayer and I saw the first question that you uh, you had said you, you would ask of where I encountered it. And I thought, you know, uh, this is kind of cool that it was in Georgia and Atlanta mm-hmm. um, that I first encountered this prayer. And it's I've carried it with me uh, every year. Uh, certainly in the local church. Um, and in many, many times I turn to it more so than just obviously once a year. Um, today, it's so much more relevant than it ever has been, uh, mm-hmm. given our life in these last few years and certainly in the last year. I'm just glad you did not ask me to address the put me to suffering, put me to doing <laughs> and put me to suffering, um, because that would have, you know, it would have taken way too long, especially wow. in this year. But um, right. It's just a very meaningful prayer for me, and it it is uh, it shapes and frames um, a lot of my life, a lot of Mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. And the sense that uh, we really do every day have to give ourselves over to God again in whatever, you know, every day has different circumstances. Every day has different challenges. Uh, Some days I feel full, but, you know, let's just be honest, the past several months, most days, feel pretty empty. Yeah. And then yeah. There's, there's a huge void and a need for, for power beyond me and resources beyond my own uh, control. So the prayer reminds me that I am not alone, um, just kind of hung out to dry in right. what can be a pretty cruel world with some cruel circumstances mm-hmm. and some mm-hmm. really um, un- unfair inequities. Um, I, I got an email this week from a layperson who's been listening in, and it really made me uh, have to reflect on what she was saying, that her struggle with this prayer is the extremes, right? Mm. Put me to doing, put me to suffering, let me be full, let me be empty. It, and, and she said, I, I don't ever find myself in those extremes. And it's not like our goal to have the extremes. Like you don't pray, let me be empty because that's what I want to be. Or let right. me be, you know, there's a sense of um, we're on this continuum at all right. times. And so well, how, how has it shifted in your life as you look at this prayer, since it has been around since your 20s? Um, kind of when does it morph and change? You know, when have you felt really full? When have you felt empty? And how did it sustain you in both of those times? And sometimes it's in like almost the same breath. Yeah. Uh, Being full and being empty and uh, let me have all things, let me have nothing. Um, And it's not about things. It's not, um, but sometimes just life leaves you empty. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some, you know, this morning um, I, uh, I have a call with um, my brother every morning. And this morning, my niece 
I heard this kind of like strange sound. I'm like, what is that? He's like, he's ki- she's kissing the phone to say hello to you. And I'm like, that was this, it has nothing to do with my bank account. It has nothing right. to do with my You're full. <laughs> I was as full as you could ever uh-huh. be. Uh-huh. Um, and so there are those moments um, that, you know, you just, it's like, do I, do I really deserve this mm-hmm. uh, kind of moment? Um, and then there's those days where you feel really empty and you ask the same question, do I really deserve this? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just the world we live in. Yeah. I mean, I hate binary stuff anyway, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that um, y- y- we live in a world that is a yes and. Uh, yes, you can be full and yes, you can be empty and it might be in the same sentence. It might be in the next yeah. breath. Yeah. And um so that's where this prayer has been so um, relevant and, and a living prayer for me mm-hmm. is that every day this prayer has application for my life mm-hmm. um, and every moment. Um, and then, you know, when you get to this section that we're, you know, addressing today as you've worked all the way through this, um, one of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 43. And so when I read thou art mine and I am thine, um, I do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have mm-hmm. called, called you, you by right. name. Uh, you are mine. And, you know, there's just that sense that whether I'm full or empty or have all things or have nothing that I am still claimed as a child of God mm-hmm. uh, and the most fullness of anything that I could ever even conjure up on my own. Um, and that, that God knows my name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then if you go on to read Isaiah 43, you know, I give everything up for a ransom for you. I do anything, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and no matter where you go, fire, water, uh, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is just that assurance, uh, in this prayer, um, that, you know, I think at my baptismal vows, that, that's what that confirmed is that no matter what, um, whether I'm full or empty or whether I'm walking through water, rivers, hurricanes uh, for us. We've done a lot of those, yeah. And I've done a lot, did three of those this past year, um, that God is still with us. And, mm-hmm. um, and not only just with me, but I, I give people in place for you. Um, so, you know, I just, I think about that all the time and, and, you know, there is one line in Isaiah 43 where it says that, um, you are precious in my eyes Mm -hmm. and, uh, you are honored and I love you. Mm -hmm. God honors me. Really? Right. Um, you know what you're bringing to mind, um, Every, I, I, I'm just running through my head years of doing the remember your baptism, the baptismal reaffirmation. And I think of all of the really broken people who have been to hell and back through addiction, through loss, uh, you know, uh, alcoholics who still aren't in recovery. Um, but I still think of the, of the, you know, putting water on them, and saying, you know, many times I'll say, as God said in, in Jesus's baptism, this is my son, my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. And to say those words, you are God's child, you are beloved, and God is pleased with you. And to see the depth of emotion that, that elicits. Um, I still think of uh, Dead Man Walking, great movie, and Sister Helen Prejean, 
uh, Susan Sarandon plays her so well, but um, she's talking to Sean Penn, who's on death row. And uh, um, <laughs> not far does, from where I am. Right yeah. Now. And she okay. says, and she says to him, your beloved son of God. And he said, I've been called a son of a lot of things, but never a son of God. Mm-hmm. And that gets me every time that there is. Uh, and with that um, claiming um, there's a sense of your God's agent then. Right. That I have that, I have that seal on me. And that's what I feel like this is. This is a stepping up. And once again, so be it. I am giving myself over um, and I'm going to take agency. And the other thing I was thinking about, Cynthia, was um, Cornelius Henderson, who, uh, who ordained me and came from this area. But I remember he was riding high as a bishop. He um, was doing, you know, what he'd always dreamed of doing. And he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. And the first symptom of that was his kidneys failed. So can you imagine you're rocking along, your whole world is going, you finally, you know, lived into what you thought God had called you to do and your kidneys fail. And he was in dialysis weekly. And I remember having a conversation with him about what gave him joy. And he said, you know, every week I have dialysis and I sit with the same folks and I can, I can tell them about Christ and I can, and, and I can remind them that God's in the middle of our little circle. And I thought, that's it. That's, that's the heart of the covenant prayer, that wherever I find myself, I'm, I'm not only owned by God, but I'm an agent of God. And so, right. so you know, wherever I find myself, I have a role to play and a, yeah. and a mission and a part of the story. Right, right. Well, and I, you know, when you you have a responsibility in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is part of our baptismal vows right, right there. You know, I always tell people, people think um, that some of the stuff's reserved that we do is reserved for clergy types. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, by your baptism, you are called to be agents of God. You have responsibility here. Um, so I just think that with, with this kind of gift uh, that we receive, um, gift of grace, gift of love, no matter who or where or what you are or have been, you know, this, this applies to you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, with that comes some responsibility. Um, and it, it, I, I just feel like that is in fact, um, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about being a United Methodist uh, is, you know, that gift of grace, that gift of love that is just absolutely um, makes you, puts you in a place doesn't make any more special than the other person, but to know that that's extended to you no matter what. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's so hard for right. us, really. You know, I would say that if there's something about this that, that I would say, you know, what, how, how does it live out for me? Some days I just, like, I have to believe this myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I short, you know, it's like, surely not me. Mm-hmm. You don't really, mm-hmm. you don't really mean me when you say, Thou art mine, and I am thine. You know, um, right, right. But you know, it's just to really believe that this this is true for me, mm-hmm. uh, just as it is true for you and the next person, the person after that. But you know, to me, I, I sometimes I you know I just have to check myself because some days um, it, it's hard to believe. Like you know, like I have to really believe that that is true. Right. And, and, you know, I think for Mr. Wesley, 
um, with that with that comes the power to um, to love in that way that God loves us. You know, I, I remember um, uh, one of my mentors in ministry. His father was a bishop, and uh, I, I remember the first time I went and watched bishops be elected when I was a delegate to jurisdictional conference. Uh, I said, Riley, how how does how does anybody ever get equipped for that? And he goes, Oh, nobody is. <laughs> but God gives you that. But I think for any any anybody who opens themselves to the power of God, there are days when I will look at people, and I know you do too, and I think, how can I love them? Mm-hmm. And thank mm-hmm. God it's not up to me that I I can be empowered to do that. I can be empowered to um, move beyond my pettiness. Now, sometimes I do it better than other times, but um, when, I'm, when I'm at my best and when I'm most open to God, it's amazing uh, that I can come to love people that I previously uh, had contempt for. Yeah, but you know, Sue, I think that the, the, the reverse is also true. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not very lovable. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Then I think, oh my gosh, you know, I, that, that comment, that, that's not a very loving comment. Um, and so, um, there are times that, that it is hard to to love someone. And then I recognize that the same could be true for me. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure, you know, but also that's where I think that, um, in my prayer time, God will reveal to me, oh, this person gets on your last nerve because it's you. It's mm-hmm. not them. And right. so I think there's an awareness and uh, um, opening. Um, and I can't, I don't know, I find it very frustrating. But, um, you know, in God's economy, there aren't many people I can discount because they're all beloved, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, it, it, is, it is hard. And it is hard in particularly, um, I would say, in this this past year for me, uh, as everything's just been so chaotic and, and, um, you know, we, they, us, them, um, and it, it's just a, a hard place, I think for us to live today. Yeah. Uh, and how do we, you know, how do we express that love? Cause I mean, I'm one of those that thinks that everything hinges on love. The greatest of these is love right? Uh, by the way, and that everything hinges on that. Um, and sometimes I just have to say, forgive me, uh, for I have sinned because I, I'm having a really hard time loving yep. this. Person. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I, I, I have to really, um, check myself and, and really go back and, and trust that if God loves me, surely then I can love another, right. uh, in the right. same way. Um, but you know, I think that this has just been a real struggle, um, and and you know, you see it probably in the emails that you get mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, this is this is hard. It's hard to hear, um, but I also recognize that um, it, it, sometimes people just find it hard uh, to love another, um, especially when you're, the other is so different than you. Right, right. Because, you know that uh, you know othering is is really what mm-hmm. we do to one another. Mm-hmm. We other one another. Right. One thing that um, has always helped me was, uh, is the work of Parker Palmer, mm. where he says, you know, when you look at somebody else, 
instead of writing them off or just cutting them off, approach them with a sense of wonder. I wonder why. I wonder why that is their reaction. I wonder, you know, why, why so mean? Why so pointed? Why so ugly? And um, I've, I've had to be even more charitable um, with the COVID stuff. I mean, I got one letter from a man and God was just so ugly about, you know, how dare you close down our churches? How dare you, you know, just, and, and that's fine. I mean, I get a lot of those and I get it and I understand it and that's fine, but it was just so, it, it was, it was personal and it was pointed and it was ugly. And boy, I was so tempted to reply and hit the email. I, I wrote a really nasty response. And then I, you know, then I went back to my prayer time. And that's what I think this is about. Yeah. And, and you know, realize, you know, you don't know what's going on in his life. You don't know what's going on. Just take the high road, be charitable. So I wrote him back and, and, um, and about a week later, I got an email back. This is the only time I think this has ever happened. An email back from him apologizing. Hmm. Good for you. And he said, I wanted to write back. Um, I was very harsh and I realized that. And he said, I just got to tell you, my daughter, um, this was at the height of the COVID. Well, now is the height of COVID, but this was the last big peak. And he said, my daughter's an intensive care nurse and I'm just terrified for her. And I, I, I'm so just distraught and strung out on so many areas that I just let go on you and you didn't deserve that. And I'm sorry. And that's, you know, I think that um, if we'd hold each other a little more tenderly and mm -hmm. a little more um, that um, uh, we could, we could move beyond. I mean, I really fear in North Georgia that, you know, there are some who think we should probably just have a church for Republicans and a church for Democrats, a church for blacks, a church for whites, a church for, you know, Latinos, a church for, and, and that, that will, but that's not, that's not the vision of the new creation. That's yeah. not the table that God set. That's not how we, you know, if Christ came to do anything, he came to make it possible for us to love each other through our difference. Don't you think? Yeah. I know. I, you know, I, I think about that all the time. And there have been places where, um, you know, there, there are churches where I walked up. There was one church, uh, I will just say, um, last, it would be in Christmas of 2018, because uh, I remember it clearly. I mean, I even remember what I was wearing. You know, is that weird? <laughs> um, and um, I stepped up to the pulpit and um, I looked out in this congregation and it was for me a picture of the kingdom mm. and i really i walked up and sue i i couldn't preach mm. i had i turned around mm. i said you're gonna have to give me a minute mm -hmm. you're gonna have to give me a minute and i turned around kind of kind of regathered myself to be able to preach i mean and um it, it it's a church that we have in new orleans and uh, it's the closest we have uh, to the French Quarter. And um, it's a church that every Sunday uh, in the church, because there's no other place to do it, in the pews, um, they feed the homeless. Mm. And uh, so when you walk into the church, you're, you know, you really, there are people on the sidewalks uh, sleeping. And you walk into the church and um, uh, there's, authors and there's 
bankers and there's homeless people mm -hmm. and there are gay people and straight people and white people and brown and black. I mean, it is that picture uh, of the kingdom. And, and then they, we say, amen, benediction, and they serve lunch and churches from Louisiana all come and prepare meals. Well, they used, they used to prepare meals for having to do something mm -hmm. different with COVID now, but they still get fed lunch there. And um, I thought, you know what? That's communion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what, what this is. Um, but for me, that was like, oh my gosh, we have just spread the table mm -hmm. so wide here that, you know, we might have said this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ in a formal way, you know, an hour ago. Right, right. But opening a, a turkey sandwich, a box with a turkey sandwich in it, uh, sitting in a pew in this church, it was a, it was certainly sacramental. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, this is this is communion. This is mm -hmm. what that is really supposed mm -hmm. to be like here. And um I mean, that, that is just a memory that I will, I hope I will never, ever forget um, of what that was like in that moment of where I was so overcome by looking out at this congregation and um, man, it was, it, it, it was, it was heaven on earth yeah. right at that moment. Um, so, you know, I, I just think about those moments where, uh, what would that take in every place? And I, I recognize, you know, I always thought when my family, my little Roman Catholic parents <laughs> would come to church, uh, to hear me preach, it was like they were coming to a recital. I mean, I, I'm sure it was more holy than that, but I always felt like they were coming to watch me perform. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the church was predominantly white and all of those things. And I thought, you know, this is the most uncomfortable hour they have spent, but they're here for me. Yeah. They're here for me. And yeah. um, so it, it's, you know, I, I, I think about how we have created this, um, this hour that we have together on Sundays, you know, that is one gift that we've gotten out of COVID is by doing a lot of um, our worship online and live stream and all of this is we, we have a lot of different people mm -hmm. uh, coming to the table. And right. if you'll allow me to tell you one other story, which is really kind of a cool story is we have a church in Alexandria and in, in, here in Louisiana, and it's Newman United Methodist Church. It's a predominantly black church. Mm -hmm. And um, they were doing everything. I think they still are online during all of this COVID stuff. And um, so there was a couple that lives somewhere in, in the Pacific Northwest, and um, they were looking online to connect to their church called mm -hmm. Newman United Methodist Church. So they Googled, mm -hmm. and up comes Newman <laughs> United Methodist Church. It's, it's not their church. Uh -huh. It's uh, Reverend Tiffany Postel at Alexandria, Louisiana, at Newman. And um, they have worshiped with... Tiffany throughout this time. And they said they couldn't wait until they could travel because one of the first trips they were going to make is to it's Alexandria, wow. Louisiana mm -hmm. to actually worship in person at Newman. Mm -hmm. So I think some of this COVID stuff might've actually broadened our, um, 
uh, our participation in yeah, worship. A, maybe you know, different. I haven't thought about that, but it's true. Um, yeah. You know, thinking about it too, I, I, I'm indebted to Sybil Davidson, who is our communications director in North Georgia extraordinaire. Um, the tagline, the comment she made is, you know, um, think about it. Love is making room. And when I think of the table image, uh, which is the image of the end time, right? In Isaiah and in Revelation, that there is that the banquet is, is our image of, it's not, you know, I always say it's not us being on clouds with harps, which is a very individual and kind of ridiculous image, but it's a table where all nations and all ethnicities and all peoples gather and that to live into that, that's our vision that, you know, but it means I make room. Yeah. And I, and I'm not sure that's lifted up as the image that we're to live into. Uh, I remember I had one of those Sundays, like you described where I saw the kingdom at, you know, and just, uh, we had, uh, on one Sunday, we had a surgeon an ophthalmologist, uh, couple that taught school and three homeless people joined the church on one Sunday. And I was so excited. And I called a very, you know, devout Methodist friend of mine and said, man, we have the best Sunday today. These folks joined. And she goes, is that a good thing? And I was like, yes, it's a very good thing, but not just love. Isn't just making room at the table. It's valuing you. It's loving you like God loves you. It's loving you because you are claimed by, and what do we hold in common? You are claimed by God. I am claimed by God. We have both given our lives over to God and, and for better, for worse, come hell or high water, we are stuck together. That's right. I mean, do not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Right. And and I remember as an early Christian, I mean, in my twenties, I grew up in the Methodist church, but I didn't have a profound experience of Christ. And really I'd say 28 is when I really dedicated my life. But um, I remember going to church one Sunday and thinking, I have brothers and sisters all over the world. I can find a body of Christ. I mean, there was a power in that and a sense of connectedness that I had never felt before. Right. Yeah. And and that is the power um, that this is something that being, being claimed by God cuts across all cultures and all nations and all races and all division, that this is what is our identity. So when, uh, when at the end of this prayer, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And, and all that goes with that. Yeah. So be it. No, so argue. it's not it's- like I'm, I'm in my, you know, apprenticeship and I'll see, try this. This is, I, it's a done deal. And yeah, no and internship now, required. <laughs> right. Right. So, but it's also a daily, so be it. Right. It, that's what I love about the Wesleyan understanding that day by day, week by week, month by month, we become more conformed to Christ as the Holy Spirit works on us. Right. And, uh, so what, what uh, my so be it these days, I think, is uh, learning to deal and to love the radically other. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me. I, I'll yeah. just admit it. And there, you know, there are certain people that can punch my buttons just a certain demographic. Of, and I know, at least I know <laughs> my deep prejudice toward this group. Right. But um, how about you? What are you, what is your, so be it uh, transforming part in your life now? Well, right now is giving voice. Mm. Um, 
You know, I will say that um, all the the racism that we face every day. Um, I I I have just uh, kind of fair warning to to staff and folk around here. Um, I um, always say my communicator always gets a little nervous when when I say, you know, I, I'm just I'm just ready to talk about this, and it's like, yeah. oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um, is not not to be silent anymore. And I realize that with that comes risk. With that, I'm gonna offend somebody. Um, but it comes out of the deepest well that I have of um, inclusivity. I, I have been that other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know if the, the persons of color will, you know, many of us remember this is you, you try to check a box and there is no box for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not black, you're not white, you're not Asian. And so you have to check the box that says mm-hmm. other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's just a really, uh, that's a painful box to check anymore mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm pretty, you know, resolute. Uh, that my so be it is that the world will know that thou art mine and I am thine, yeah, yeah. Uh, regardless of who you are, and that you, everybody deserves to be heard mm-hmm. and seen uh, and not just othered. And so that to me is, is um, that's why this line is so important. That's why I go to this Isaiah text often is that, you know, that, that isn't, that doesn't say Cynthia Harvey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, that for me, I'm, I'm pretty resolute about that. Um, and knowing that there's a whole world that doesn't know Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so whose responsibility is to tell that story? Um, we're part of the story. Uh, this story continues to emerge out of our everyday lives um, and, you know, I, um, I, I want that narrative to be ours mm-hmm. is, you know, that is the Christian narrative. And, and some of the stuff we're hearing right now, you know, is barely Christian if that, right. Right. um, so, you know, to me, it's like, we, we have got, we have got to speak to this. We've got to speak into it, uh, as risky as it is. Um, but for all of us, because I think that we're all, um, we all, at some point with something, we struggle with this, right? And, um, but, you know, being a woman, being a woman, uh, a Hispanic, Latina, I just, you know, I just, uh, I, I feel that, that pain. And I was sharing with someone that on um, inauguration day, I was kind of like a mess. Uh, I cried through the whole thing. And um, I just... When when um, Kamala Harris and her spouse walked down those stairs onto the platform, you know, I started losing it then. And it, it really has nothing to do with politics or Republicans mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, Democrats. Mm-hmm. It was that moment. Right. And then when she stood there, put her hand on the Bible and took her oath of office, first female vice president, first person of color mm-hmm. vice president from the first Latina justice. Right. Uh, I mean, I was like, um, I was a hot mess that day (laughs) Uh, all day long because that moment for me was so clear. And uh, I shared this with um, uh, 
with a group the other day that um, my father was one of those persons that said, you can be anything you want to be. And so this is my eighth grade educated janitor father, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how he worked in, he worked in a hospital, worked his way up to, you know, but started as the janitor in the hospital with an Mm -hmm. eighth grade education. Uh, And he said to me, you can be anything you want to be and goes on to, you know, like do everything he can, including, you know, probably mortgaging the house so that I could go to college. Mm. And, uh, you know, I remember my sassy eight-year-old self with hands on hips. Those who know me probably wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) I said, well, if I could be anything, then I'm going to be a lawyer and a judge. And someday I might even be president of the United States of America. And so the moment on January 20th was for my sassy eight-year-old self. And so that sort of added to the resoluteness for me that this is our moment. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. our moment as Christian people um, to tell the world that God has claimed us. Mm-hmm. You can be anything you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter what, God will be with you um, through the fire, through the storm, suffering, fullness, empty, whatever it is. Um, and that's our story to tell. That's our unique story to tell. Right. Well, you know, you're not president of the United States, but you're president of the Council of Bishops. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, and I still remember, I can't remember when it was, but it was an anniversary at General Conference. And and they put the picture up of the General Conference. uh, I think it was probably the 68 General Conference. And it was all white. all, All the leaders were men. And then they had to give a talk on it. And I'm like, all you had to do was put the picture up. Right. For us to just measure that moment, weigh that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess my final thought on this, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for uh, spending time doing this because I know how crazy your schedule is. But uh, I am so excited, although it's 2021, it's about time to have a first Latino district superintendent, Rodrigo Cruz. And he said something I'll never forget. He gave a great devotional. Oh, no, it was his sermon, his opening sermon uh, for his district. And he said um, he has he has uh, uh, biological children and a couple of adopted children. And so he's got a hodgepodge of race and background. And um, they came home from school one day. And it made me think of it when you said it, it really is alienating to have to check other. And they were confused about what to check when it came to race. And so he, he, he said, um, he pulled out the passage from the Bible. You're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood. So he said, if anybody asks you what race you are, you say you're a chosen race. And I thought, you know, we're a chosen race and that's what unites us. And that's why we gather around the table. I am thine and you are mine. I mean, that is so be it. And so, my friend, uh, we will work toward that. And, the t- and, you know, and not just having people at the table. We talk a lot in our cabinet that you really value what all of them say. And mm-hmm. you value their gifts. And you see that they are, they are necessary if we are to weave together this vision of a new creation. Yeah. Yeah. 
a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. So we work toward that. That vision yeah. keeps us going. So be it. And I look forward so much to when we can be in person and Me hang too. out some, do some fun things. But anyhow, take care of yourself. I will. Thank uh, you. And we'll rock on and uh, blessings in this appointment season, in this crazy season of leading the church. And I can't think of a better person to lead it for us. So You're thank you. I covet your prayers. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot. At the Table is produced by Sybil Davison and edited by Kim Drobes. Music is by Chuck Bell. Thank you, and I look forward to the next time we are together.